unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger into the nail marks and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. These words gained St. Thomas the Apostle the perduring moniker, Doubting Thomas. But there's a lot more to this resurrection encounter than a denigrating nickname. We'll explore it and much more coming up next. Helping you grow deeper on your spiritual journey. Welcome to The Inner Life with Patrick Conley. Welcome to The Inner Life. I'm Patrick Conley, your host for the hour ahead. Thanks for joining us. So what's the opposite of faith? Skepticism? Disbelief? Fear, maybe? I'm guessing many people would say, well, doubt is clearly the opposite of faith. Have you ever struggled with doubt? Well, before you answer, let's think for a minute, what exactly is it? What is doubt? And is it always the enemy of true faith? And even if it is, how might the Lord use our doubt in order to deepen or strengthen our faith? There is a lot to examine about doubt here today on the show, and so I'm glad we've got some help. Our spiritual director today here on The Inner Life is Father Sam Kachuba. Father Sam is a priest of the Diocese of Bridgeport and the pastor of St. Pius X Parish in Fairfield, Connecticut, and also the host of the Tangent podcast on the Veritas Catholic Network. Father Sam, good to be with you again. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Patrick. Yeah, well, I'm just I'm curious about this the tangent podcast. Can you just uh, give us a quick rundown of what what's the tangent all about? Sure, the tangent is uh, exactly like it sounds, uh, talking about a little bit of everything and whenever we whenever we possibly can, uh, understanding that our faith connects to so many different areas of life and so many different things, uh, and so to just talk about how the Catholic faith intersects with with various aspects of uh, of our life. One of the other fun thing that we're able to do with the tangent is uh, bring on people who have uh, are guests who have written books who are part of different Catholic apostolates and just kind of talk with them about how their work, uh, their ministry their writing, uh, how that can also be brought into daily life, how it can relate to, to different things, and then whatever else they want to talk about, whatever tangent they want to go on. Sure. Okay, very good. I, I kind of like it. It's for, for people who are easily distracted like me. I can uh, follow <laughs> others down rabbit trails, it sounds exactly, like. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Like it, I like it. All right, well, Father, that's great. I'm turning our attention more to the topic at hand and not to get too far off on a tangent, so to speak. Um, let's just enter in again with defining our terms. So doubt, what are we talking about here with doubt? I mean, I can have my doubts that the Packers are going to do well in this upcoming season with the, uh, at least the foreseen loss of Aaron Rodgers, and, and I won't go into that here anymore on the show. But um, just thinking about, I have doubts about a number of different things, but when we're talking about it within the context of our faith, how do we define doubt and how is it used in that kind of a context? Yeah, I think it's important to make the distinction between doubt and questions. Uh, so I might have a question, which means that I'm curious. I would like to know more about a particular subject. I'd like to know more about what God is doing, or I have a question about why something is happening, versus uh, a doubt, which typically means that there's there's some element of disbelief. There's something that I I, I don't think that that's true. Um, I have I have some uh, deeper 
spiritual reservation, uh, moral reservation about whether or not this is true, um, about whether or not God has has really done this, um, or whatever the particular uh, spiritual thing might be, whatever truth of the faith that might be uh, in un, under consideration here. And so, doubt when we're talking about it in that way is, is typically on a on a deeper level, um, whereas sometimes we might mistake having a question with being a doubt. And it's helpful to just make that distinction, I think. It is. It is. And I, that does clarify at least the ends of the spectrum. It still seems to be a little murky in the middle, if I may, though, Father. I mean, in the sense of I can have questions that may be actually tempting me toward disbelief rather than just clarifying, OK, I say I believe this. Um, I'm not sure exactly how that works, so let me look more deeply into it. I mean, that could be more on the belief side of things. But there can be questions, too, that be like, Really? This doesn't this doesn't sit well with me, right? Yeah, and th- that's an important thing to pay attention to. What's mm. happening when you are in that that more murky middle, uh, right. when it's not so clear as this is simply a, a question that I have and I'm looking for an answer, or this is definitely on that that other spe- end of the spectrum where it's I I am actually actively uh, rejecting something. In that murky middle. What are you experiencing? What's happening there? And to be able to enter into that and to start to maybe ask some key clarifying questions or to uh, to recognize what's what what's happening in, in the heart and in the mind so that then we can find the clarity that we're looking for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. OK, that's that's very good. So um, that is actually leading us on to this uh, to another question, which is the relationship between doubt and faith. Um and is it something that if we are truly faithful, faith-filled people, as it were, that we will have no doubts? Or is doubt just kind of part and parcel to the life of faith? Mm. Uh, I don't think doubt so much is part and parcel, but questions are part and parcel. If okay, you look at right. the great definition that St. Anselm gives of theology, he says it's fides querens intellectum, faith-seeking understanding. So I believe, I have faith. But I want to understand more. I'm looking for I'm looking for answers. I, I want to grow in that thing that I believe in. So it's one thing when you're a child, you learn the creed as you're going to mass, right? And so you get to you get into the habit of being able to recite the creed with the rest of the congregation. But then at a certain point, I want to know what that means. These these words that I've learned by heart, what do they mean? And so we start to seek to understand them more. And that might bring up a question. And it's okay that we have the question. But where doubt becomes part of that question is when the question itself starts to rule. Instead of me saying, I know that I believe this, I want to know why I believe it, or I want to understand it from a fuller perspective. I want to be able to see all sides of it. So there's just that that very important difference, right? That, yeah, I think questions should be part of our faith. Because it's when we ask those questions that we're able to grow in our understanding of what of what God is doing and what God has revealed, mm-hmm. as opposed to to doubt, which tends to say, uh, "Yeah, all of this might not be true, and maybe I should just reject the whole thing." Right, right. You mentioned the word understanding, Father, and that's one of the things that was rolling through my mind as we're speaking about doubt and questions and the distinction between the two here. Um, I guess the right way to phrase the question is, how much is understanding necessary for the life of faith? I mean, I, I can see that the extremes, again, are, are out, of the, out of the question. I mean, I don't think faith is meant to be in, in 
just completely blind because uh, God has given us an intellect, right, to explore these things. On the other hand, of course, we can't have full understanding. We can't have the full beatific vision. Um, we can't require that before we exercise faith. Um, so how much, what is the role of understanding when it comes to faith? I think understanding helps us to grow in faith. It helps us to to believe more strongly. It helps us to trust more radically in God's providence. But I think also very often of, of people who have never had the opportunity to engage or who aren't capable of engaging uh, on that deeper level of, of understanding. There's the famous story of St. John Vianney uh, going into the church and seeing a, a farmer there. And this man would come into the church every day and he'd spend time in prayer. And John Vianney asked him, what do you say? What do you do when you come in to pray? And the man said, I look at him and he looks at me. And that was the, the depth of his, of his prayer. There wasn't much in the way of understanding. If, if you asked this man to explain to you the hypostatic union or to explain what happens in transubstantiation, he probably wouldn't have been able to do it. And yet there was a depth of faith that this man had. So understanding is not necessary for faith. Faith is a supernatural gift that God gives to us. But when we have a deeper understanding, it can help us to articulate what we believe. It can help us to believe in times of crisis and, and difficulty. Um, but how much do we need to understand? Um, I, I don't think that we actually need to understand all that much, even though understanding is objectively a very, very good thing for us. Mm-hmm. I like it. Our spiritual director today, Father Sam Kachuba from the Diocese of Bridgeport, Connecticut, guiding us through a discussion specifically about doubt, but of obviously uh, faith and questions and that sort of thing are going to be part and parcel to the uh, conversation that we're having today. Do you have particular struggles with doubt, or when was a time when you did struggle with doubt? Maybe you have that struggle right now and would like some guidance from our spiritual director. Give us a call, 888-914-9149 is the answer, is the answer, is the, <laughs> is the number to call. It might be the answer. Um, I hope it's the answer, uh, but uh, 888-914-9149 is our phone number here at The Inner Life. You can also send us an email at innerlife at relevantradio.com. Well, Father, this is, again, fascinating stuff thus far, and uh, we look forward to looking looking more deeply into it. You mentioned faith as a supernatural gift. Um, maybe unpack that a little bit, that, um, that faith in and of itself is not simply a uh, a matter of our own intellect and will, but it is something in which God is active, an active part. Yeah, mm. yeah. So God gives us this this supernatural gift of of faith to to believe, uh, to believe that He is, to believe everything that is contained in in Scripture and in the tradition that's handed on to us. Uh, it's uh, the supernatural sense of uh, this reality being present, even where our senses fail. You know, if I can take from St. Thomas Aquinas's Tantum Ergo, there's uh, faith believes when the senses, what we're able to see and observe, start to fail. Um, but again, faith is, is something, even as a supernatural gift, it's something that is also very much related to the gift of reason that has been given to us. So our capacity to think and our ability to, to know and understand more, um, it doesn't cancel out the possibility of faith. Uh, rather, these are things that go together hand in hand. Um, yeah. And so our, that, that supernatural gift is meant to be cultivated, uh, just like any, any supernatural gift that is given is meant to be cultivated and, and, and then shared. Yeah. 
It certainly is. And uh, I, I mean, once again, here I see the concept of grace not destroying nature, but perfecting it, right? I mean, it seems like there is that role of the intellect and the will, and yet uh, God gives us his, uh, his empowering grace on top of that to have faith, to believe. Well, Father, as we're talking about doubts, I mean, clearly we want to address those who have doubts and uh, not just questions, as great distinction there from the outset, not just questions, but uh, sincere doubts about uh, belief in uh, who God is, in his love for us, um, a number of different things it could be based on. Um, And we want to, of course, offer some tips on addressing those doubts. And one of the things that pops to mind and frequently employed as people are saying, well, I'm struggling to believe this. What about that prayer, that scriptural prayer, I believe, Lord, help my unbelief? Is that a helpful prayer? And what's going on in that prayer? I think I believe help my unbelief is an extremely helpful prayer. Yes. <laughs> First of all, yes, okay. that's a great prayer. Um but what you see in, in, in the stories, first, that Jesus has come down the mountain with Peter, James, and John after the transfiguration, and there he encounters this man who has brought his son, who is possessed by a demon. He's brought his son to be healed, and the apostles can't do it. Now, the fact that the man brought his son for healing, has asked them to, to do this, suggests that he believes, he has faith. He believes that it's possible for his son to be healed. And now, when he's faced with the fact that the apostles can't do it, his faith begins to waver a little bit. He's, he's worried now. He's, he's seeing the evidence right in front of him, like nothing has changed. He's brought his son, he's prayed, he's asked them to do something. And, and now he's starting to waver a little bit in that faith because they haven't been able to heal him. So what, what do you do in that, in that moment, in that, in that place where the, the thing that you were hoping for, the thing that you were looking forward to hasn't happened yet? Um, he says, Lord, if, if you can, help him. He's, it's sort of a weakened faith. So what he had started with was, guys, help my son. And now he's moved to, well, they're having a hard time. Maybe you can. And so there's a, a question now that's, that's present there. It's not the same strength of faith. And Jesus responds. If, do you know who I am? Do you know what I'm about? <laughs> right. And that's where the man says, Lord, I do believe, help my unbelief, because now he realizes that he's standing face-to-face with God himself. He's standing face-to-face with Jesus, and so that's where he's able to step in more deeply into faith. And so it's recognizing along the way, we believe and then sometimes we hit a difficult circumstance. So there's some challenge. There's something very real happening. His son is still suffering from this possession. His son is still suffering, and these people who are supposed to be able to help haven't yet. So he's starting to, to waver. But then he recognizes God is still present. God is still here. So he says, yes, Lord, I do believe. Now help me to stay in that place where I believe. Help that help me to stay strong in that belief and to put aside whatever doubts I might be having. Help me to stay strong in this faith and and believe more fully. So whatever in me doesn't believe, Lord, transform it into faith. Mm-hmm. And so that can be a beautiful prayer, especially when we're in a difficult situation. And how often do we find ourselves in those difficult situations? There's some suffering, there's something that's out of our control. When we don't have anything like that, it's pretty easy to trust God. When things are going well, it's it's easy to trust that God is taking care of us. It's when things start to go wrong or when we start to suffer or we witness somebody else suffering that trust and faith become more difficult. And so, 
Lord, I believe, help my unbelief, helps us to stay in that place where, yes, I, I know what my faith is, but I'm also recognizing right now that I'm in a, a moment of struggle, and I need God's, God's help. Yeah. I, in, in fact, I'm so grateful you brought that up, Father, because I did want to speak with you, too, about some seeds of doubt. Uh, what, are, what are things that we need to be aware of in our life that are protected? perhaps particular situations in which we are more inclined towards doubt. You mentioned struggle, suffering. Uh, earlier on, you mentioned worry as uh, could be a place. I, think I, made, I made mention of fear. Um, any other thoughts about what, what are situations in our lives that we need to at least be aware of that, you know what, we might be more inclined to doubt when we find ourselves in these situations? Yeah, I think going back to... Um... Go, go back to the story of the fall of Adam and Eve, and we start to see how doubt gets sown. And so the, the serpent asks Eve, is, is it true that God told you you can't have anything mm-hmm. here in the garden, that you can't eat from any of the trees? And so she's able to respond, no, that's not true. God told us that we can eat from any of the trees except for this one. Um, and then comes the, the follow-up, which is, oh, that's, that's not really a big deal. You don't have to worry about that. It's just that if you ate from this tree, God knows that you'd become like him, and God doesn't want you to do that. God wants to hold back from you. So the, the two sort of seeds of doubt that are planted are very much related. One is, um, it, is it possible that God doesn't want to give you anything at all? And then when we realize, no, that, that can't be possible, then it's the devil kind of throwing out that temptation to suggest that God doesn't want you to have anything good. God only wants bad things for you, or God's holding out on you. And so ultimately the temptation then is take the matter into your own hands. Right. And so Eve eats the fruit, right? She takes matters into her own hands. She's going to do it herself, and she lets Adam do the same thing. And so Adam and Eve together then start to move away. We're going to do this ourselves. And that's when their eyes are open and they realize just how little they actually have. But they also realize everything that God had given to them and what they've now lost. And so there's that tendency in us to do the same thing in a moment of suffering or or difficulty to start to think, God's punishing me. God just wants to hurt me. Um, And it's the same temptation that the serpent first gave. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God doesn't want you to eat from that because He knows that you'd be you'd be too good that way, or you'd you'd be like Him. There's a temptation to uh, to think that somehow God's holding out, mm-hmm. um, and so that's one of the places where it happens most often. I think. Mm. Yeah, Satan doesn't know any new tricks, but uh, he uses that one very, very well in our yeah. lives, uh, even today. Now, our spiritual director today, Father Sam Kachuba, pastor of St. Pius X Parish in Fairfield, Connecticut. And we're talking about specifically doubt, but many other things, questions, faith. What are the role of these? What role do these things play in our lives? If you yourself struggle with doubt, or if you know somebody who is in a place of struggling with doubt right now, and you'd like a word of advice from Father Kachuba, our spiritual director, please give us a call, 888-914-9149. Perhaps you've been given a grace to overcome doubt at some point in your spiritual journey. We'd love to hear your testimony, 888-914-9149, or send us an email, innerlifeatrelevantradio.com. We're going to take a short break, but we'll be back with more of The Inner Life right after this. Stay with us. If you are in the market for health insurance, our sponsor, the Catholic Order of Foresters, is here to help you and your family find the most cost-effective health plan. Learn more at RelevantRadio.com slash Forrester.
Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio. My name is Patrick Conley, and together with our spiritual director, Father Sam Kachuba from the Diocese of Bridgeport, Connecticut, as we are talking about doubt. Is there a place in your life where you have experienced or are experiencing doubt, and uh, it's wearing away at your life of faith? Give us a call. Tell us about it and uh, receive some good tips, some good advice from our spirit director. 888-914-9149 is the number to call, 888-914-9149. Father, um, I I started at the top of the show, started to uh, talk about Doubting Thomas. And uh, I do think I've heard enough uh, homilies on this particular passage. It's coming up this Sunday for Divine Divine Mercy Sunday, um, specifically uh, that says that, okay, well, Doubting Thomas, he's not just to be looked down upon, um, but can you un- just do a little exegesis for us, uh, if you would, around this around this specific passage? I mean, what's going on here? Thomas is he's an interesting character. Um, on the one hand, we have him prepared to go and die with Jesus. It's Thomas who says, "Then, then let us go to die with him also," and he's encouraging the Twelve, to go with Jesus, to be stoned, just like the people are trying to stone Jesus. Um, And so he's got this great zeal and a great desire to follow Jesus. And yet, after witnessing the crucifixion and after this, there's, it seems like this, this grave doubt has crept in. And so when he finds out that they had seen the risen Lord. Uh, he says, unless I put my fingers in his hands and um, touch the nail wounds and put my hand in his side, I I will not believe. There's a, I think on the one hand, uh, it's Thomas not not willing to accept the word of his brethren. So somebody else has told him something. He's not willing to take eyewitness testimony. He wants to see it for himself. And I think on, while on the one hand there is some some doubt that's present there, and uh, maybe it's it's a, a sort of an incredulity. So he's he's sort of refusing to believe something that has now been revealed. He's saying, no, I, 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 need, I need more proof. It's not enough for you to just tell me that it's true. I need the proof. But then I think there's also this very deeply human desire. It's a desire to know. I, I want to see. I want to, to have this, this thing that you're saying confirmed for me by my own experience. And so I think if we, if we can do a little balancing act here, we see, first of all, that Thomas is not all bad. In fact, as soon as Jesus does appear to him and, and invites him, come touch these nail wounds, put your hand in my side, and do not be disbelieving, but believing. Um, and it's interesting that, that the, the gerund is used there, the I-N-G at the end, be believing. believing uh, it's, yeah. it's a present moment thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, I, it's not just I, I used to believe or I will believe later, but it's right now believe. And so to be in that state of believing is, is very important. So no longer doubting, but now believing. And, and Thomas... The gospel doesn't tell us that Thomas actually put his hands in the nail wounds, but mm. that he immediately said, my Lord and my God. Yeah, interesting. And so the, th- the very test that he had, unless I touch the nail wounds, unless I put my hand in his side, uh, the very test seems to have actually been abandoned when he sees the reality. It's enough for him just to see. He doesn't need to go and do, and do that extra touch. And this is, I think, a, a piece of faith for us. Sometimes we think everything I have to fully understand. I have to know everything there is to know. Uh, otherwise, then my faith is inauthentic or something. And actually right. what Thomas teaches us is that uh, it, you can still lack full comprehension and understanding and belief. 
And so when Thomas uh, expresses this this doubt, um, it's it's a real thing. It's an authentic response. But he's also expressing a desire, and his desire is to know. His desire is to see it for himself. I wonder sometimes if Thomas wasn't maybe feeling a little bit of envy towards his other mm-hmm. towards the other apostles. They had seen the risen Lord, and he hadn't. And right. so he was the one who was ready to go and die. And why haven't I seen him? I was ready to die with him. Everybody else uh, abandoned him. Peter denied him three times. Come on, I didn't get to see him. There's this little doubt that's, and, and maybe he's feeling point. a little bit hurt, right? And yeah, so he says, no, 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 right. I have to see it for myself. It's, it's not good enough for me to just, to just believe you guys. I, I want to die with Jesus, so then I need to see him. I need to see this, that this is true. So I think that's part of what's happening with Thomas also. Okay. All right. I like it. I like it a lot. We're speaking with our spiritual director, Father Sam Kachuba, from the Diocese of Bridgeport, Connecticut, and we are talking about doubt and uh, how to stave off doubt, what to do in the midst of doubt, how can we continue to uh, persevere in faith even when doubts arise uh, and to not let them take over. If you have a question, a story, give us a call, 888-914-9149. Let's go now to the phones. We've got Janet, who is calling in from Cookville, Tennessee. Janet, welcome to The Inner Life. Thanks for calling. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I have been struggling with doubt and specifically an assurance of my salvation, and here's why. I'm, I am, I seek God all the time, and... <clears throat> I, the thing that really I struggle with the older I get is the Christ when he was, when he, in his prayer before he died, he was talking to the Father and he was talking about those that the Father has given me. Those are the ones that no one can pluck out of the Father's hand. Another time he talked about many are called, but few are chosen. And then, of course, there's that, the wide gate and the narrow gate, and few there be that find the narrow gate. And the thing that has been really disturbing me, I just can't get assurance. God, it was also, it's talked about that God chose us before he even, even before he created the world. So my, my, my tension is how can I be sure if God chose before he even created us, the ones that, that would be saved? Then, then it's like my asking him to choose me has no effect, and I just feel like, how do I know that I'm none of those chosen? It's, it's just, it's, I know it's, it seems silly, and people have, that girl, I've had all these platitudes thrown at me. Well, you know, if you have such concerns, then of course you're one of the chosen, but that doesn't satisfy me. Is that To me, that's just a man trying to give some, you know, the intellect. And I, I just want to know, how does one bring all these things together and have assurance? Mm. Janet, that's a great question. Uh, it's, it's a beautiful one, too, as, as you're engaging with it. Uh, the desire is there, right? And you, So you're able to see how much you desire salvation and, and that gift. And I think that's the first place to start, is that the, the deep desire that you have in your own heart is for God. Um, and that's very evident in the way that you're, that you're speaking about it. It's also evident because you're, you're paying attention to to this, and you're you're looking at the places where where Jesus is going to speak to us about that gift of salvation. And so, by by that very fact, that that search, uh, looking for those places, looking for that that affirmation, it's just a resonance of that great desire that's present in your heart. 
So I think that's the first thing that we should say is you've got a tremendous desire there, and that's beautiful and that's very important. Also then, this question or this, this, this doubt that's, that's present um, is coming into the deeper understanding of, of what God is doing. So God, perfectly sufficient in himself, he has no need of any of us, right? But then in this act of pure love, he, he created us, and he, and he knows us, and he, and he knew us before we were created. He, he foresaw us. Um, and God out of love then chooses us too. And then you're baptized. You've been brought into the life of, you've been brought into the life, life of faith. And it's okay for us to recognize the good things that we do. You know, I think sometimes we, we get into the habit, don't we, that, well, I'm, I must not be that good since scripture still says that some people fall away. Um, and we might forget to give ourselves credit for the good things that in fact we do. I think it's valuable to at least recognize that. But then also to realize Jesus, at the same time that he says, many are called, but few are chosen, uh, narrow is the gate. As he says these things, he also says, if you would be perfect, go sell what you have, give to the poor, come follow me, keep the commandments. We can, we can start to measure, what are we doing? What are the things that Jesus tells us we have to do? We have to keep the commandments. We have to believe in the one whom God has sent. We have to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, that he is Lord. And as we believe these things, then there's going to be some consequences in our behavior. We're going to give to the poor. We're going to take care of our brothers and sisters. So how well am I doing those things? And if we do that every day and we keep striving in that direction, we can have a great deal of confidence. It's possible for us to have that sort of confidence about ourselves and that hope. You know, this is where we we move from the gift of faith to the gift of of hope, the supernatural gift of hope, which is that God will carry us through. God will give us what is necessary. God's gift of salvation is, in fact, for us. And so I would just encourage you, um, don't be afraid to look at the good things that you do. Don't be afraid to look at the, the true act of faith that you have already made so many times and to see in that act of faith, to see in those good things that you do, in the charity that you express, in the love for God that is so clearly present in your heart, uh, that God is, is active and at work and that he has extended that gift of, of his love and his salvation to you. Yeah, and Father, in, in people in Janet's situation, too, it seems like this can always creep up in the lives of the faithful, and, and it seems like it's a great way of uh, fostering this sort of doubt, or at least this uh, this unsurety, this uh, not sure about, well, really, have I ha- am I good enough? Have I done enough? That sort of thing. And this might be another occasion for that, I believe, help my unbelief, or at least, you know, don't let me succumb to to the fear that is the tool of the enemy, but rather, you know, to the faith that has given me. Something like that, Father, too? Yeah, so in the, in the prayer to say, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief, uh, to ask for that protection and that help, and then also in, in the interior of our own hearts to, to be able to, to speak truthfully. Um, so what are you experiencing? Uh, what's that, that voice in your, in your mind, um, or even from outside sometimes? What's that little whisper in your ear about? Um, is this pushing you towards a, a place of doubt and distance from God? Is this calling you into the relationship with God? And every once in a while, those, those doubts, um, they're rooted in something that is not true. They're rooted in a lie that's been exaggerated. And so it can be very important for us to say, this is the truth, like to identify what the lie is and then to speak the truth. Um, 
So the lie, for example, God does not want to give me what is good. And to identify that lie for what it is, and then say, I know that God wants to give me what is good, and I know because these things have happened, or because God has revealed it to be so. God, in His in His love, always gives good things to those who ask. And so I'm going to reject the lie, and instead I'm going to embrace the truth. Yeah, very good. Janet, thank you for the call, and uh, thank you for your honesty. I mean, it is something beautiful. that I do believe. Yeah, I do believe it, it comes really up in beautiful. the lives of the faithful again and again, and uh, our prayers are with you, Janet, certainly. Let's go now to Arlene, who's been waiting patiently from Rhode Island. Arlene, thanks for calling into The Inner Life. Hi, thank you for taking my call. Um, I'm calling because I was just at Mass this morning praying for faith, I noticed that when I start to really think about um, Jesus' birth and going through his life uh, to the resurrection, um, I start to doubt. I I use my intellect, and it really kind of gets me in trouble because then I start to think of things like, did it really happen? And um, how do I know it happened? And, and And then I start feeling guilty. And then I start feeling like, Lord, you've done so much for me. How could I even question you? And I would, I would compare it to like if you're trying to look at the sun, you really can't. You, you have to look away from it to see it. And it's almost that kind of a perspective for me. And I was wondering, Father, if you could comment on that. Arlene, I think it's a it's a very good perspective. Um, there's a I, I think we should pay attention to those questions that come up. Did this did this really happen? And actually, I'm glad you're talking about having gone to mass today. And do you remember the gospel? How the the apostles are, are gathered, and the two who had just been at Emmaus and had recognized Jesus in the breaking of the bread come rushing back, and together they're sharing the good news that Jesus is risen and that they've seen him. And then he's standing in their midst, and they're all suddenly terrified, and they think he's a ghost. Right. So they go from we've seen the risen Lord, he's really alive, to oh no, he's here, he's a ghost. And so in in it's that quick that the doubt suddenly comes in. Did the resurrection really happen, or is this just a ghost? And you see what Jesus does. He asks if you have anything to eat. So he takes a piece of fish and he eats it to demonstrate that he has a real body, <laughs> that, that the resurrection has really happened. So sometimes we have those those little doubts that, that come in, or the question that arises, did, did this really happen? Did it really happen this way? We should pay attention to that question. Right, and it's not a bad thing necessarily. There, then, a lot of times, I think the devil likes to use the fact that we thought about a question to accuse us of something, and so the question arises, but then it's followed almost immediately by the accusation: How could you question God? See, he's done so much for you. How could you question God? Right, and that's an accusation that's not from God, but that's from the evil one. On the other hand, when we recognize the question. Before we let it go too far, before we start to, to think that this, this shakes up everything, to say, all right, Lord, what am I looking for here? This question, maybe it's not perfectly formulated in my head, but what am I really looking for? Is this a question that is because I, I disbelieve something, or am I trying to learn more here? What, what else do I, is there for me, or what, what am I not seeing yet? 
Lord, reveal that to me. It can become an, an invitation then for you to enter more deeply into the conversation with God, to put yourself in that in that place, to imagine yourself there in, in prayer or in um, in meditation. But it's it's a great question, um, and I, I would just say that you're right. It's it's like looking at the sun. It's it's too much, and so there are some things that we're not meant to fully comprehend or understand. But that we can't fully understand or comprehend doesn't mean that we don't believe. So even though you don't look directly at the sun uh, because it's too bright, it doesn't mean that you don't believe that the sun is there. It doesn't mean that you've never seen the sun. It just means that you can't stare directly at it because it hurts too much. There's too much there to take in. Um, but there's still so much. I mean, look what scientists know about the sun, all the things that they've figured out. And there's there's something recently about like there's a, a big sun wave, some magnetic pulse that's come off the sun that we're going to experience at some point pretty soon. It's, it's fascinating. There's all these things that we can know about the sun, even though it's still not a good idea to look directly at it. Yeah. Very good. Arlene, thank you for that. Um, great analogy and uh, great, great honesty again about, um, yeah, some of the things that stir up doubts within us and um, looking too deeply into things and and uh, trying to struggle, struggling with trying to understand and everything. Again, one that uh, many, many people I'm sure struggle with. So thank you for that. Let's uh, take another phone call here before the break. Uh, we've got Tom who's been waiting in Tucson, Arizona. Tom, thanks for being with us on The Inner Life. Oh, thank you. What a great show. I really appreciate the guest and the topic. Uh, I'm aptly named Thomas for the doubt. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, you know, I've always seen this, and I kind of appreciate this conversation as the doubting rather than being a pessimistic thing, but as a man of science. So myself, I'm a mathematician, scientist, physicist, chemist, one of those polymaths. And doubt is a normal thing. I mean, as a very young child, I was taking apart every machine I could, you know, and rebuilding it to see what I could do with it. So, you know, it's not, wasn't that I doubted that the lawnmower could cut the lawn. I just wanted confirmation of how exactly this happened. Hmm. So I think, you know, testing all things and holding fast to the truth. In fact, in our modern age of science, you know, doubt is the scientific method, right? You prove it and then you believe it. Um, you know, I, I think our human, our human tenderness, we get embarrassed when we held a false belief. I think scientists are quite lucky in the fact that we know we are ignorant and we seek the truth. So we may be embarrassed of, of you know, the banner we were waving. And once we realized we were ignorant, but we don't continue to wave the banner. We go, wow, this is wonderful. Thank you, God, for revealing the truth to me. So I see Thomas in much the same way, you know, my Lord and my God. You know, the scientific principle that was no longer theory, this is now a, this is now proven. It went from theory to fact. And he, of course, immediately was, okay, I get it. So, yeah, Thomas is an engineer. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever thought of Thomas as an engineer. I like that idea. That's that's really good. But, Tom, I think you're exactly right, though. Um, the questions that come up, you're, you're looking for an answer. And we do that in science. We do it in, in so many places. Um, that I might have had a wrong idea uh, doesn't mean that I'm 
I myself am guilty or, or bad. It simply means that I, I had an incorrect idea. But then what a beautiful thing it is when I start to understand the truth, uh, when I start to realize what, what actually is. And so when we dive into revelation, when we dive into theology and we start to understand more fully, we realize this is what's true, uh, not this other idea that I had in, in my mind. Often the truth is so much greater than the idea that we had, whatever it was. Um, and so to be able to rejoice, exactly like you said, to put down the banner of whatever false idea we had or incorrect idea, um, and instead pick up the banner of, of the truth, that's a, that's a great analogy. Yep. Love it, Tom. Thank you so much. Uh, that's going to be running through my mind, at least through this Sunday's gospel, as I'm hearing about uh, so-called Doubting Thomas. Doubting Thomas the Engineer. <laughs> I like it very good. Um, we are speaking with our spiritual director, Father Sam Kachuba, from the Diocese of Bridgeport, Connecticut, about doubt and uh, what what it does to our faith and how to keep doubt at bay. If you have a question about doubt, if you have a testimony of an experience of doubt that God has delivered you from, or perhaps you're struggling with it right now, give us a call for here in the Inner Life. Our number again, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. We're going to take another short break, but we'll be back right after this. <laughs> Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio on RelevantRadio.com and the Relevant Radio app. My name is Patrick Conley. My thanks to Nick Sentovich, our producer, and young Thomas, Thomas Engeser, who's taking some of your phone calls as well, and to our spiritual director, Father Sam Kachuba, pastor of St. Pius X Parish in Fairfield, Connecticut, and host of the Tangent Podcast on the Veritas Catholic Network. Been great. Get some great phone calls here, Father, about doubt and uh, people asking some great questions, being very honest about where doubt is coming from in their lives. Let's go now to TJ, who has been waiting. Uh, he is calling in from Tampa, Florida. TJ, welcome to the Inner Life. Well, thank you, thank you both, and I'll try to be brief, although it's not one of my strong points, but I'll try. Uh, <laughs> I've had difficulty with church doctrine, certain biblical passages, and. I, since a little boy, I'm a cradle Catholic, when I was told by one of the nuns that if you miss Mass on Sunday, that's a mortal sin, and if you die, you're going to hell. And that stayed with me all through adulthood. Like, can that be true? I mean, is this the kind of God that I've, I've always wanted my whole life just to put his arms around me and tell me he loves me? Or... You know, the other passage uh, that says, ask and you will receive, keep on knocking, the unjust judge, you know, the man wanting two loaves. Uh, And, you know, that hasn't happened. And people say, well, you know, TJ, you're taking that literally. You don't know what God's going to do. And I said, yeah, that's right. But there's still that doubting Thomas. And, And the last thing You know, I can't understand how God would ask Abraham to sacrifice his son. And once again, people have said, well, you know, he's making a point that nothing is more important than God. And I listen to it intellectually, but I have great, and I'm going to call them doubts, about is this really God, or is this someone in the church putting that in there for some ulterior reason, especially, you know, the missing mass. 
Mm. Yeah, well, TJ, those are those are great questions, um, and actually, I think really, really important questions. Um, and I'm glad you're bringing them up. The missing mass one. Um, I think sometimes we get into maybe a, a via negativa when it comes to trying to teach the faith. So to emphasize the importance of mass and that it's a divine command, a divine precept from the, the, the commandments, keep holy the Sabbath, um, we might tend to emphasize too much the negative consequences of missing mass. Um, but actually, I would, I would want to look at the very thing that you talked about, your desire, that desire that you have for a God who will wrap his arms around you and who will hold you, uh, that desire for, for a God who, who knows you so well and who welcomes you with, with such open arms, because, in, in fact, that's why it's so important for us to be at Mass, to keep holy the Sabbath. It's because it's in, it's in the Mass in a unique and particular way that we experience the Father's love and care for us, that we are reminded of His presence with us. Because we can forget so easily in, in so many different ways throughout the week. Mass on Sunday reminds us of that. It's also the response that we give. Uh, so Jesus, who went to the cross, suffered and died for us, and is risen from the dead, and wants us to be witnesses of that resurrection in, in the world, um, then calls us to worship, to, to celebrate that truth of the resurrection, and to do it on the day of the resurrection, which is, which is Sunday. Um, and so when we miss Mass, it's the sort of rejection of that mission that Jesus, who suffered on the cross to redeem us for our, from our sins, has given to us. And so going to Mass on Sunday helps us to remember that good news, to receive actually that, that great embrace that the Father wants us to receive. Um, so there's, there's that element to it that I think is, is very, very important, um, that it's, it's not just that there's a negative consequence, um, which is separation from God for all eternity. It's that there's something so good that God desires for us to have that we sin both against ourselves and against God, by rejecting that gift that he wants to give to us. Now, of course, that only applies when we choose to deliberately miss Mass. You know, somebody might miss Mass for a very good reason. On a Sunday, they're, they're sick, uh, they have to take care of somebody, something else happens, something, go, something goes wrong or prevents them from, from getting to Mass. That's a different story entirely. Um, but I think that desire that you have to encounter the God who loves you and who will who will embrace you—that's exactly who it is that we're that we're meant to encounter each time we go to Mass. And sometimes our way of teaching that as a, as a church has focused more on the on the negative uh, consequences. And so it's good to actually have exactly what you talked about as the the other side of that of that coin, the more positive side. Um, then you, you speak about the, those passages, uh, ask and you will receive, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be open to you. To be honest, TJ, this is one of those ones that I struggle with myself, because um, you're talking about actually a, a tough situation. What happens when the prayer seems to go unanswered? And on the one hand, there, there is some truth. I'm not God. And so I don't know exactly what it is that God wants to give to me. And maybe the thing that I have gone looking for uh, isn't part of God's plan for me. God will give me what is in accordance with his will. He won't always give me every single thing that I want, because sometimes what I want is really not good for me, or does not conform to, to his will. God will allow me to do whatever I want to do, but he won't necessarily give me something if it's bad for me. And so understanding that there's a knowledge that God has that I don't have, 
that can be a challenge, um, especially when the thing that we, we're looking for appears so good to us. Seems like it would be such a wonderful thing. Um, so just, uh, uh, I'm with you on that, TJ. Uh, that, that can be a struggle and a very real one, and, and I think a healthy one as well. Um, but just to keep in mind, God who's above us, God who knows all things, um, also knows what we need most. The last thing, TJ, that you're bringing up about Abraham, again, I'm glad you bring it up because it, it is a t- it's a tough story to understand. One of the things that we can do is sometimes we, we look too much with our, our own particular lens at some of the stories of, of Scripture. And what we can forget about is that as, we, as we're looking at the, at the Scriptures, what we're seeing is God's gradual revelation. And so some of these, these gradually revealed things that we now come to understand more fully in the person of Christ, and even that our own modern era help us, helps us to understand more perfectly, um, they can seem strange. But that gradual revelation, what God is doing is calling on Abraham to do something that seems impossible. We should remember that God is in control the whole time, that should Abraham get too close to harming his son, uh, God will prevent it. But we should also pay attention to what happens to Isaac. Isaac carries the wood himself. He goes willingly with his father and trustingly. And so it's not that just that we're meant to see how Abraham trusts God, but we're meant to see also how Isaac trusts his father. That Isaac goes willingly and is ready to offer his life if that is what God desires. He's ready to give everything. And God saves him. God, God saves him from that, from that death. And of course, then we look at how the whole Bible works. We're meant to see there the reflection of how Jesus, carrying the wood of the cross, goes up the hill and offers himself. He's willing to enter into death itself for us. Isaac trusts his father, and out of love for his father, and out of love for God, is ready to lay everything down. Jesus entrusts himself to the father's care and offers himself fully for us as as a sacrifice. Um, so there's a typology that it's important for us to see, but that's not always easy. And so I, I understand that that hesitation, um, but I would just invite then, with all those little moments of hesitation, with all those those moments of doubt, TJ, you're actually on the right track. Um, so keep asking the questions and keep seeking God in the midst of those questions. And I think what you'll find is that the Lord starts to answer those questions and starts to give you those insights that help you to to walk more confidently in his love. Mm. Wow. Well, uh, so many so many wonderful things that uh, you bring up, TJ, and some of our other callers. Who, I'm sorry we're not going to be able to get to the calls um, in the couple minutes we have remaining. But uh, so grateful that uh, you brought them up, TJ, and others had similar, um, you know, similar questions and similar things going through their minds. Um, I, I would encourage any of you who have, who have called in or have been listening and have these questions, go back and listen. If you missed the top of the show, there's some good distinctions made by Father there. Father Kachuba, before we let you go, though, um, and before we sign off, we'd love a blessing from you, please. Sure. Heavenly Father, we ask you to pour out your graces and blessings on all who listen to Relevant Radio today, that they may know your presence, they may come to a deeper understanding of of your love, remove from their hearts all doubt, let them know your presence in all things, grant them the gift of your mercy. May Almighty God pour out his blessings upon you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. 
Amen. And Father Sam Kachuba has been our spiritual director. Tomorrow we're going to be tackling divine mercy, of course, which is great. But for those of you who were listening and had questions about unanswered prayer, just a little sneak preview. A week from tomorrow, so on Friday the 21st, we'll be doing unanswered prayer. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, grace and peace.